Welcome, everybody. Oh, if you're a regular listener, you know that is not our regular intro, and it signals a special No Church Answers podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive into season one of The Chosen. So this week, we're putting away our study guides, but not our Bibles, to talk about what might be the most exciting and intriguing phenomenon to come along in the Christian entertainment. And uh, with me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just introduce our usual panel. He is a former world-class policy writer and professional gambler. It's our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Hello, Steve. Hey. <laughs> hey, and a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. Uh, we call him the judge, Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hello, guys. Mike, I'm Robert. Robert. <laughs> and uh, a corporate trainer, kind of group theologian. We call him the professor. It, Robert Koshu is back. Hey, Robert. Hey, everybody. We're old. And my name is Bill Cox, and this is some pretty exciting stuff. So I want to go ahead and uh, I want to start out with uh, Steve Titch. I was a latecomer because I don't really like so-called Christian entertainment, but The Chosen conspicuously avoids the tendencies Christian dramas tend to get into. It takes a lot of risks and pulls most of them off. And I think that's why it's so compelling. But if I were to summarize my thoughts, it's the first biblical drama where characters don't know they're in a biblical drama. Okay. Fair enough, uh, Professor Koshu. So if, and, and I've always talked about with you guys that I always feel like we get the sanitized version of what's in the Bible. You know, you know, in in the original Old Testament story in Joseph and Potiphar's wife, we get the we get the Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and said, "Come sleep with me." You know, and that's how it's written in the Bible. And in my head, I see Potiphar's wife sitting there with about four buttons undone, laying on the bed in a little pose going, "Hey, Joseph, let's go for it, man." You know, and and the chosen does that. That's what I loved about it from the first time I watched it. Is it 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 didn't give you the cleaned up, sanitized version of the Bible stories. It gave you the Bible stories in real life, what they really look like, what they really did, and the production value is in my mind off the chain crazy because they take everything there and they build the world out properly so that you're in the first century. At this point, we've really only been to Jerusalem once, but you're really in the first century Galilee at this point. And you you really see what life was like for those people as they're living. And I think that, that to me, was its draw. Excellent. Uh, judge. Yeah, God is very patient. Uh, he loves us very much. Jesus is very patient. He's quite aware of his authority and his purpose in the, in the Chosen. And the Chosen weaves an intricate and interesting fabric from the Old Testament and the New Testament so that a person who has read the Bible will understand the implication of the facts presented. And i got to address what Robert just said. That crack, crack me up, folks. Uh, if you haven't watched it, watch it, because you're going to see the disciples of Jesus go to a wedding in their normal average raggedy clothes that are their best clothes. They're not dressed up in Texas, and they're not dressed up in, in, in suits. They wear what they have to wear. 
and and they're very happy doing it. They're not trying to impress anybody. And and so Robert, I agree with you. That this this show doesn't pull the punches. It looks like it's made from real life from the time back in uh, in Christ's time. And the people did not have a lot of money at the time they were oppressed by the Romans. So it, it's very realistic. Bill? Uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and uh, throw my two cents in. Uh, my wife actually uh, had been watching this for some time. And I'd caught, you know, a couple and stuff. And I, I, I thought it was really good. But as a filmmaker, I basically write at night. And so that's why, like I've talked before, I don't really try. I try not to uh, to watch much stuff because I want, and when I get an idea, I, I want it to make sure that it's original and it's not, you know, pilfered from something. But what I really liked about this is the backstories, which made the stories that I knew, it gave them a whole lot more sense of why it happened and you know being a filmmaker also you know you create an a a b and a c storyline and those the storylines seem to be well written and logical and would make sense for that to happen to a person that would make them to do something like that and you know i I know both uh, uh, Professor Koshu is a writer, but as our producer, Steve Titches. And so I would really like uh, him to share a little bit of that, too, um, about what he thought about the realism of that. Steve? Well, that's probably the thing that makes it completely different from most other biblical dramas. Uh, the there it. it seems like the show creators which were led by dallas jenkins uh who's showrunner and directed most directed all the episodes and wrote all co-wrote all the episodes um they explain, thought about explain, this they thought quick. about this as writers and asked themselves well what what would make a fisherman drop everything and follow this teacher what what would prompt that we we really that the and 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 that and throughout it so many so many of the stories we are familiar with in the gospels um which really are part of a chapter and we sometimes elaborate them in bible study they're dramatized here and so they they thought about uh, a lot of uh of what the motivation might be. And in, in Peter's case, it's this enormous tax debt. In Matthew's case, which right. I want to talk about later, he is completely isolated from everyone, from his own people, uh, from the Romans. And um we and, and on top of that, the writers, and this is this is somewhat controversial among some Christians, they mm. have adapted or or taken the format that these very popular miniseries do on cable. And I'm talking about shows like Game of Thrones or The Wire, which are adult and often, and often right. maybe a lot of Christians don't watch. And a lot of some, now not all, it's a, it's a very popular show. But one of the criticism raised is that, well, Christian shows shouldn't do this. They shouldn't, they shouldn't do this. However, that's what's unique about this. These 
Dallas Jenkins and his co-writers said, let's produce compelling television that keeps people coming back. And so they create, as you said, Bill, all these threads, like uh, very much like the the, uh, the the Friday Night Lights, The Wire, Game of Thrones, <laughs> and, and bring those character arcs together. Um, it is, it is, it is, and it is their intent. They have said as much. Right. But, but it is, but I want to, I want to kick it back a bit because Robert has, the, this is, if you're, if you, if you haven't seen The Chosen or kind of only heard a few things about this, it is a phenomenon in and of itself, uh, in the way yeah. it was a crowdfunded uh, production and, and how yeah. it is pretty, pretty low budget, but it really works. Robert, I'm going to go to yeah. you. Hold, on this. Yeah. Hold on a second, Steve. Okay. Uh, before we go to Robert, explain the term that you use showrunner to the people that don't know oh i'm sorry explain what that is the the showrunner is essentially the the creator of the show okay who who basically really makes all the top level decisions regarding how it's going to go he's he he signs off on scripts it it basically sets the idea hires directors writers (laughs) probably has final right excuse me I was going to say has the final keeper of the writer, canon. The keeper of the canon. And and I think he works closely with, I have two, the, the his two other writers. Well, anyway, I just wanted to make sure, because, I mean, that's a term that's thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I know, basically, I call it the uh, the, the grand poopah mm-hmm. <laughs> of the person that is in love with the project and they mm-hmm. are all in money you know, uh, mind, spirit, and soul, man. I mean, it's, they're it's, all in. It's they're Dallas, all in. It's Dallas Jenkins, and the two co-writers are Tyler Thompson and Ryan Swanson. And ha- let's yeah, let's go ahead and we'll bring in Professor and explain a little bit more about the. So, so, so you project. guys all heard the name Dallas Jenkins, and and you guys where you're gonna know him from is he is the son of John Jenkins, who was the co-author of the Left Behind series with Tim LaHaye. Yes, I so did not he, know he, that. He, he was actually so he's a storyteller just by his nature, basically. His DNA. Yeah, yeah, in his yeah. DNA. And he was actually working in Hollywood, had a flop, and his church in Illinois looked at him and said, Hey, we're gonna do this thing for Christmas. And would you be willing to make it? So he goes out on his buddy's ranch and he had a script written, something he had been kind of throwing around. And and you can view it on YouTube and it's on the chosen app too. And it's called The Shepherd. And they've remixed it and redid it for a Christmas season. But in essence, it tells the story of a shepherd who's hobbled and crippled. And he goes, they him and his buddies go into market and he he grabs the wrong lamb that has a blemish. Of course, the Pharisee has a conniption fit over it, you know, and it's interposed with a Jewish rabbi reading passages from Malachi talking about Bethlehem. Well, of course he bumps into Joseph and Mary and in the story and he talks to him. And then Joseph tries, runs off and tries to find somebody, you know, and then, then they go out into the fields and all the shepherds sit there and they start talking and they're talking about why I brought you. And, and it is, it is, this will be my first guy moment of this, of this series. If you watch that episode, they're in the field and they're all talking. And and when I'm, I brought I brought Lila stew, well, that's why your grandfather left because we know how she cooks, <laughs> you know. And and so they're out there and they're talking. And one of the guys brings up the Romans. Oh, thank God! It's always the Romans, the Romans, the Romans, whatever. It's just a group of guys hanging out at, at 
at the lunchroom, basically at the office. And the other shepherd gets thrown out into the field because, you know, he did bad. Well, the light appears and you hear him and they interspose. And then they go into Jerusalem or go into Bethlehem, my apologies, and they find Jesus. And Dallas says he made this and he goes, that was kind of cool. And so they put it on YouTube and he, at the end of it, he says, Hey, I'd like to make an entire series about the life of Jesus. If you want, sign up on Patreon and the crowdfunding piece, and we'll go do it. And it wasn't his idea. It was actually the Angel Studio people that put the app together. They're the ones that put that together, and, and they said, yeah. So the most interesting thing about it was the record for a crowdfunded event, and by the way, this was one time for one thing was $5.7 million. They put that out there and within six months, they had raised 10.2 million from over 16,000 different people who came in and gave money. And that was just to produce season one and they produced every season after that. And so if you go look, you'll see as they roll episodes out and it'll show on the app, it shows a percentage getting ready for the next episode. So season five, best episode three is 67% funded, for example. Join join the crowd, pay it forward. And at the end of every show, there's a list of all the people out now, you know, who who has who have funded and put the money in there for them. And so it's there. And so it really started growing from that YouTube social media phenomena and really launched into what it is to where now granted i will give you the writer strike help this a little bit but cw picked it up and put it on network tv originally you could only get it on the app and then youtube started well now it's on amazon prime and wherever good streaming services are found kind of like our podcast by the way <laughs> you can find those on all the good streaming services but but you'll find it everywhere and it was all because he went and shot one thing one time and were really for something for his church and then figured out that this was going to work and turn into something. And it has because it is being viewed by well over 300 million people at this point. Season four is fixing to come out. Season one, we're going to talk about this evening. It's got three seasons in at this point. We'll kind of catch up as we go as to this where the story is. But it's really... Well, that's Phenomenal. that's one one other element of this. Three hundred million, three hundred million people have watched at least some of this. Yeah, um, it really began airing in two thousand nineteen. The, the the shepherd, what you talked about, was two thousand seventeen. Yeah. What what is amazing, and this is kind of Angel Studios' whole story, is that the whole thing flew under the cultural radar for for two years. Before any anybody so quote unquote important like the New York Times, the Atlantic Monthly uh, picked it up and realized now if any other TV show had attracted 300 million viewers, you would know about it. Uh, and there was a lot of almost semi apologies and, <clears throat> and and amazement. Um, and uh I like to say that even even Texas Monthly was scooped, which is pretty unusual for them because this whole thing, the whole first season was being shot right under their noses yeah, about down in 40 miles is... outside Dallas. Dallas, yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, well, 
that itself is interesting that this cultural phenomenon was happening completely under the radar and being missed uh, for a couple of years. My wife had it on, uh, they, they were passing it around the ladies in their Sunday school class and it was on DVD uh, is what they did first. Um, so of course we don't have a DVD player. So she's <laughs> at my computer, which she doesn't, she, she's, I mean, she's uh, computer illiterate, if you know that term, uh, except, you know, and that's how, I mean, and I saw, I started seeing it and it made perfect uh, sense to me in the fact that I could see why the media would, I don't want to say, I don't think they necessarily, well, Steve, you're right. They did. They ignored it until they, uh, they couldn't anymore, you know, mm -hmm. but and, it's, not, that's not their demographic. But also know? that's true, but it's interesting that they, they, that's a 300 million people they would consider not their demographic, but, <laughs> right, right, but, right. but, but the other, yeah. other thing also, and I think this is, and I'll go, because I mentioned this earlier, I don't think, I, I don't think it got much, much attention because I don't think the expectations were that high, but you know, we can talk about this. It is really good. I mean, the acting, oh, acting is is terrific. The cast is terrific. The production values are terrific. Um, there's there is it is compelling. Even if you're not a Christian, you can't help but get caught up in the drama. It is it is superbly done. Well, I, I, well, what do you think, Michael? Over there, you felt Mike, yeah, Cropper, Michael Cropper. <laughs> what do you think, Judge? You judge, judge, you judge. Oh, I, I'm listening to you guys. I, I love it. I'm, I'm looking at my notes regarding the episodes because it's uh, it's it's about that time we're supposed to start the episode. And I'm well, thinking wait, about the very very first scene. And I got now I got to tell you, it, it helps you understand why I like it so much. We we heard Jesus and and folks. If you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know we kid a lot about, but we're serious also. We we say that Jesus likes to pick on the Pharisees a lot. Um, however, this is going to be a little bit different in this series, but. But the very first episode you'll see in this is 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 a Pharisee riding in this gorgeous carriage like Cinderella with his wife, and he's got four men pulling him, walking on the ground, pulling him, and the, the Roman guards come up there. And I never pictured this. I never thought in my mind that they would be like this, but it's a limousine, right, guys? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. like a, you yeah. and I, if we're successful and we want to go to an event where people are going to see us pull up, like the Academy Awards or anything, we're going to rent a limousine. So here's this Pharisee riding with his wife, and they're dressed impeccable and in, in very wealthy clothes, and they're in a Cinderella carriage like a limousine. So that that was what impressed me. That's why I like it so much. It caught me so off guard. That's that's a key differentiation because you see the different levels of of people in in this in this it's not just everybody looks the, you know typical biblical dramas everybody looks the same and yeah mike that yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. off the bat you see all the differences you see how it's that's a good point it's a limousine but you also see how the romans treat him absolutely you see how the absolutely. the the hoi polloi of capernaum and galilee really uh worry about you know they 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 respect them no respect from the Romans. That's right. No okay. respect. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. 
This is No Church Answers. This is our special podcast, 311 on The Chosen. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. Actually, this is podcast number 311. Don't know where you're at, but I know where we're at. We're around Sugarland, Texas, which is outside of Houston. And we are talking about The Chosen, an uh, outstanding series. I think everybody, when you do watch The Chosen, if you're a Christian, and probably the most vast majority of people that enjoy the series are that are watching it and i've always felt that i was kind of like an, an outsider of christianity kind of observing it and everything but i think when once you look at you'll identify yourself in one of the people there i'm not going to reveal who mine is you probably know but anyway i want to go ahead and jump right into uh the producer extraordinaire uh steve titch oh uh, well I we're going to do that. We're going to take, we're going to kind of go through the episodes and, and, and follow kind of both the narrative and the themes that come up. Uh, we've already talked a little about how episode one really starts by beginning the world building of first century Israel, much in the same way the world building is done in game of Thrones or the environment of the wire. Uh, we see who's on top, who's in the middle, who's on the bottom. Um, and, uh, not only that, in, in in very very plain terms, we see what we always talk about in Bible classes and in sermons, um, but maybe not again in dramas. We see the friction between the Pharisees and the Sadducees that's talked about, the Romans, of course, um, and we see the humor in the show. Um, we we meet Matthew. In fact, in fact, uh, uh, Mike Matthew might be the only character who can change clothes because yeah. we see he's he's got money, he's got wealth, and yet in fact he we see he has he has enough pairs of shoes that that kind of might make Imelda Marcos jealous, um, and which yeah. which he immediately in the in the first five minutes uh, steps in what probably is horse manure. Uh, much to his horror, because he's, yeah. he is presented as either autistic, OCD, or a little bit of both. Um, yeah. And Asperger's. But and 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 again, all the all in the first episode, all well, most of the major characters of the of the first season are introduced, uh, and it isn't until the very end we see we see Jesus, and he is he is really comes on as a stranger. Uh, we, he doesn't yet. He, he isn't a named character even at that point. 
Yeah, you know, the, the thing about it is, um, to me, what struck me about how accurate and authentic it seemed like the world was, but it also illustrated the fact that we have so many distractions in our life. They didn't really have any entertainment. They didn't really have anything other than working to survive, however it was, you know, their daily bread. I mean, they were really on the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, food, shelter, I, and, you know, the basics. I mean, not even getting up to self-esteem um, is what they needed. And I see why religion and being spiritual was so important, because I can tell you this. Working on the farm, and especially being the only son, man, there was times. I, if it wasn't for going in for lunch or dinner, I didn't. I was around the, uh, spiritual things all day, but not one of them was a person. <laughs> you know, when you're around the animals, so you kind of have to entertain yourself, and you think deep, think deeply about things, and it makes perfect sense to me that that would occupy their time. I mean, it, it just hit me like, man, I mean, I totally agree with them. I ex I would be searching. What else is there to like, do? Yeah. yeah. Would you, Mike? Yeah. No, yeah. What else, there is it, what else is there to do? You don't have uh, electricity. You don't have all the sorts of stuff <laughs> we do, computers and everything. So why wouldn't you entertain the law as a hobby? Right, Bill. Right. It, make, it makes perfect sense, and then and then try to apply it in a in a um, a logical way because you don't have any other way to do it or a legal way in my case. But but well, Rob, Robert, I know you haven't commented. Yeah, no, no, on... Episode one just it, it the other thing it does other than it it holds Jesus and it, and it clearly makes the focus. The chosen is not about Jesus. We we talk about it as if it's about Jesus, but it's not. It's about Jesus's followers and the, and, and the world. They It's Jesus's story told through them versus the Gospels, which is really all about Jesus because the gospel, the gospels aren't biographies. The Gospels are good news stories that are telling a story of salvation. And the Chosen is taking the approach that they're trying to tell the story of Jesus has experienced by these real people. And and the one thing that I found rather interesting, now, hey, none of these guys are super A-listers, but there is also a lot of veteran actors in here. Matthew played several oh. episodes in Nashville. The guy that plays Nicodemus, he's been doing it's stuff excellent. since 1993. He, he's a regular on the Law & Order series. You watch Law & Order yes. soon enough. Yes, yes. Stuff. yes. And, yes and honestly, Eric um, She's not interested introduced until episode two, but the girl that plays Rama is Yasmin Al Bustami, and she is actually one of the leads on NCIS Hawaii on on CBS <laughs> on a main yeah, network, yeah, and yeah. she was actually right. given permission to miss part of season two while mm -hmm. they were filming season three and four while they were filming season four, The Chosen. Right. And she was gone and doing other things, but it but it sets up and and. For the if you if you look at Quintus and you hear Quintus and you're going, <laughs> I know that guy. 
Quintus played Vegeta in the Dragon Ball ser- animated series, American version. He is slimy, too. He's outstanding. I love Quintus. Quintus is one of my favorite characters in this story. I do want to add one thing about this episode that's, I guess, important to the show. And that is in this the, the drama in this episode is um the the fact that Mary Magdalene, who's going by the name of Lilith, uh in Lilith, in, yeah. Lilith, um, is actually possessed by demons. This is this is presented as such. And and right away the show takes this into it puts the supernatural next to the everyday. It's not trying to pretend as some as some legitimate Bible dramas do. Oh, this is this was a schizophrenia, or this was something of 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 that that the first century people didn't understand. And that and that unfortunately sometimes gets talked about like that in in churches and in schools. Um, here we have a full on exorcist type possession. With you know the voices coming out, and uh, of course it's it, the the it, Nicodemus cannot exorcise her. Well, uh, and, and 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 says the of course, show up to try um, to get Nicodemus yes. to take care of it. Uh, yes, and, and then he can't, and, uh, and that becomes actually a plot contention well, moving. And at forward. the end, at the end, it's Jesus simply by it's it's a remarkable scene um, where where he he basically just stops her in a tavern. That's how the one. People were spending their time. Apparently, there is a tavern in town. It looks like they're playing some sort of version of dice here and there, uh, which the yeah. Romans did have. So that's what they did. And and it seems like the regular patrons are Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James, John, and Zebedee. Uh, so there is a little afterlife leisure. But as you said, they are very much concerned with and know their religion very well you see a, a people who are very much tied to god um uh, across across the social classes but yes but that we have this we have an we have a very quiet true exorcism to start the show um in fact yeah the whole the whole last episode is pretty much based around mary magdalene mm-hmm. right as one of the two key things i believe said steve said this in our format but I just want to point out while he's saying that right before D- Jesus exercises the demon at the end, Mary Magdalene, the demonic possession goes in and out and controls her in and out. And at one time she's going to jump off a cliff. The um, the episode shows us her walking up to the cliff and contemplating jumping off the cliff. And there is a dove that flies above her and apparently has some effect on her understanding or belief, or whatever, and she looks up, and the dove flies around her a couple times. And folks, you know, you got to watch for this. Steve and I talked to this before we started, and Robert, uh, there are so many subtle, subtle hints that that fit in with Jesus that they stick in. So above her flies this dove, and it flies around a couple times, and it it apparently affects her so she doesn't jump off the cliff. It, and we it, know, folks. Yeah, it, go ahead. Sid. It leads her back to the tavern where she meets yes, Jesus. Yes. It, yeah. Anyway, uh, that, I just want to throw that in. Okay. Well, that's why well, I love and, the first and, one. And I'll throw out that's one of the things that some people get very controversial with the chosen on is is that well, Mary Magdalene, she was almost another disciple, blah, 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 blah. If if you read the gospels and read it right, there is always the disciples. Jesus. I know it's clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The disciples. Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
Mary Magdalene and the other women, and sometimes it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the women is how it's referred yeah, to. Yeah. So there right. always was this cadre of women traveling along with Jesus, yeah. along with the disciples. And so it's not anything unusual in my head. When I saw it, you know, that that's one of the criticisms I've seen online as well, blah, 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 this, and, you know, and then, and I'm just like, get over yourself with this. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's just it get is over it. Sometimes, I mean, there were twelve apostles, but yes. there were lots of disciples. Correct. Yes. Okay, they're, absolutely, correct. correct, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and move on to the uh, to the next. This is episode two, uh, Shabbat, <laughs> and uh, let me go ahead and uh, I'll bring in the professor on this one. So, so Shabbat is Sabbath. And it's, it's set up as this entire episode is set up on everyone is getting ready to to celebrate the Sabbath. And it kind of calls back because Simon, being the man that he was <laughs> and all that that entailed, um, has gotten himself into a bit of tax issues. And so he's decided the way out of his tax issues is he goes to Quintus and says, tell you what, Quintus. <laughs> I'll tell you who's fishing on Shabbat because the Romans said, hey, guys, if you don't fish on Shabbat, we, we won't release and collect your taxes. Basically, when when you pulled your boat in, the Romans sat there and went, one fish mm -hmm. for you, one fish for us, one fish for you, one fish for us. And yeah. But Simon was behind a little bit, and he said, but I know that there are Jews out there fishing on Shabbat, and to avoid paying taxes. So if you'll forgive my debt, I'll tell you who they are. <laughs> and it kind of gets set up. This whole episode revolves around him getting set up for Shabbat. Peter's wife, Simon's wife, set, trying to set it up, you know, and get the Shabbat dinner ready. And, you know, he comes home and she she's kind of like, you smell like fish. Go clean up. We got to go to Sabbath. <laughs> you know, got to go to synagogue. You know, which if that's not a woman to a guy thing, I don't know what is. And, and, and I'm going to jump in real quick. This to me is probably, I like the way Simon and Edith's relationship and Eden's relationship is portrayed. I love the fact that they are portrayed as a real married couple because mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious yeah. Simon was the only one who was married based on the records we have at this point. And the fact that it is portrayed totally that way. And we start seeing it here and we start seeing it in these first two episodes in the sense of that, that, you know, and this is some of the other criticisms Steve, Steve has mentioned this too, is that, well, the women are actually, really involved and involved with their men and okay if anybody thinks all jewish women sat in the corner and kept their mouth shut and did whatever their men were they've not been alive ever in life and and the easiest way i can describe it is and you saw it back in episode one when the romans show up with nicodemus nicodemus and his wife are arguing and she's got she's sitting there and she's you're Nicodemus. You're the teacher of teachers. You need to just stand up and tell these people how blah, 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 blah. And the Romans knock on the door. She puts a show on her head and is very quiet all of a sudden and listens to him. And it's very much a, the difference is in today's world, everything's out in the open, probably way more than it should be. But back then, what happened behind the closed door stayed behind the closed doors. 
And I think you really see some of this in episode two. Simon's wife is really portrayed as an equal within the family and really on, on a lot of levels sounds like she's kind of keeping the family together with everything. Has it That's through? really interesting that you said that, Professor, because that is exactly the way my parents handled it. My mother was a small English woman, and my dad was obviously an Army veteran, uh, salesman, farmer, kind of a big guy. And uh, they did not argue in front of us. But she would say, Bob, I need to talk with you. They would go off into the bedroom and they would come back and dad would have a ruling that he would uh, rule on us. And it was quite obviously it came from mom. So that was really interesting that you said that. Uh, Okay, Okay, Sabbath. Folks, if you're not, the the whole name of the the second episode is Shabbat, Shabbat, which is the Sabbath. And if you remember, one of the Ten ten Commandments is clearly you shall not work on the Sabbath. Uh, And and, and there is some question through this because what you have, they first present the Sabbath and and Shabbat, uh, they call it. and, and, And before Shabbat begins every Friday, many of the Jewish traditions families get together and celebrate it every Friday evening just before they go to the synagogue. Okay, and the same is true in this episode. Uh, And what you have, Mary is healed at the end of the first, and that was Lilith, or Lilith, as Robert uh, uh, corrected us. She is healed, and, and Jesus casts out the demon at the very end of episode one. In episode two, she's actually gonna, she's gonna do one of the suppers before the synagogue, and she's, it's going to be the first time she's possibly ever done it. And so she's real nervous and everything. Now, Nicodemus finds her. Nicodemus went to cast out that demon, as the guys had told you earlier, and he was not able to do it. So he learns from one of his, his students that, in fact, she is now well, and the demon has been casted out, cast out of her. And so he goes and finds her, and he says, what happened? Tell me what happened. She says, you didn't do it. A man found me and cast this demon out. And folks, you can you can't get the effect of what I'm saying or the guys are saying unless you see it. You actually have to see it. So he is shocked. He says, "Well, who is this person?" She says, "He didn't tell me his name, but he he did say it's not my time." So he says, "You mean a guy cast a demon out of you, and he doesn't want credit for it?" He doesn't want people. Which is amazing. Right. It's amazing. Very few people back in the day, man, they wouldn't be doing the victory lap. Yo, 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 yo. Absolutely. So so it's all based around the Sabbat. And she she actually puts on her first one and Jesus shows up. She Again, she doesn't know who it is that healed her, that he and his disciples show up. It was not uncommon to go to somebody's house when they have the Shabbat right. and ask if they could join them. And, and, and she is just shocked. He shows up with some of his disciples. And of course she invites him in and he tells her who he is. Guys, if you want to come on, comment, I just, I thought I'd no, that, and then, about the second episode. Yeah, go ahead. Then Steve. comes the line. Um, 
because <laughs> Barnaby's the, the a character in there is kind of the comic relief in this all this thing. Um, but comes a line that's straight out of scripture. Someone's when when he says, I'm you know, Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Of Nazareth. Which right. pops up time a few times in this. What's oh. really interesting about this though is how it could apply to your own life. And you just think about that. I I mean there's people that I'm not crazy about that I went to their house for dinner and it was a special moment. It just turned out special. So, and I see this in, in, in the simple setting, having someone special show up at your house and how spiritual, how it should affect you to your very core and the people that don't are missing out <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry if you're not spiritual you are absolutely missing out <laughs> I'm, on some of the very most special moments in life professor yeah i just it, it, he's it, thinking <laughs> it's really i am it it, you are, it is you are, no. It's the comic relief. It's the setup. We get we get more into the glimpse of the lives of first century Jews living under a Roman well, occupation. The, the other True. thing is, Robert, yeah. is that yeah. is that and, and this is another weird place where the show takes risks. They're everyday people, they don't follow the law as as sometimes we think they do or imagine they do when we're reading scripture. Obviously, the Pharisees, as we continue to see, are very much into obeying every letter of the law. But here are some Jews who are obviously fishing on Shabbat, which is recognized as a sin, is recognized as against the law, against God's law. But, you know, and, and they're doing it anyway. And that kind of adds the realism like we all don't go to church yeah. every Sunday, that kind of thing. You know, we're, we're not walking around with piety in our lips. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is even Simon, and, and we'll see this in the next episode, even Simon, the, the guy who's going to go throw his mm -hmm. fisherman under the bus proverbially to get himself out, mm -hmm. even he knows he's looking for something different. And and he knows he he wants to go follow something, and I think that right. sets us up for episode three. Well, four, and four. that was really nice, Kathy. <laughs> uh, well, well <laughs> one thing difference in like episode three was uh, Jesus loves the little children, and it just kind of showed it added a little bit of a uh, touch of humanity um to jesus as it introduced him into the world and how he would take time out for children and i can tell you in an agrarian society which is kind of what i grew up with uh on the farm we did not have time to play with children i'm serious it's just even i mean if a bunch of kids would have shown up with my dad my grandpa and me we would not have taken the time. Um, it's just the way it is. And this, to me, was kind of a big deal. 
that Jesus, knowing who he was, that they that they would bring this out um, uh, in early. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was very well done too. Um, Steve, well, there are a couple of things I liked about this. One, one is that yes, this begins to make clear that Jesus knew exactly what his mission was at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, there is no working out, which you get in books like Last Temptation of Christ, and you get some ideas that, am I the Messiah or not? He is. He knows he's the Son of God. He uh, he actually it's a, he previews at the end of this episode telling the children what he's going to later tell and actually a later season the synagogue he quotes isaiah 61 1 2 he god sent me to proclaim the year of the lord's favor the the children do not understand the the significance of that but you also see him as kind of we get an idea of uh, you know he, he he describes himself as a craftsman which is a much better translation of the word tecton in scripture in Greek than carpenter. And we see that he makes stuff. He makes toys. Uh, he makes cooking utensils. And, and they found they, they are very well made. Um, but one the, the, the thing I liked about this episode is, is that we see Jesus teaching the kids. We see them, even the kids helping him build stuff. And they're sitting around this, this, this uh, tent, this campsite and and i is going to sound rather sentimental but i here's the kingdom of god at work teaching um uh working alongside the messiah alongside jesus alongside your god and and this is the kind of a a, a kind of a dramatization of that famous scripture uh, unless you become like little children those you know you will not enter the kingdom of god and this is the one where we start seeing who he is. And I found it interesting. It's it's almost like, and I agree with you, Steve, he knew where he was, but it's almost like he was perfecting his message with the kids a little bit about <laughs> how little, little, little about workshopping there. Yeah, yeah. We, yes, we, we see the Lord's about, Prayer. We see, we see, yeah. yes. Yes, he presents the Lord's Prayer. I, I found it very interesting. Uh, uh, folks, you're going to look at this and you're going to see that episode three, Jesus actually scrapes his arm. But he doesn't heal himself. He wraps a bandage on it, which uh, kind of surprises me. You never really thought about that until this particular episode. And I saw him do that. Um, and, and in the previous episode, uh, at, at when he was going to Shabbat at Mary's house or the, the supper before the, the uh, temple, there was a blind lady there and he didn't heal her. So, so in my mind, I'm wondering why in the world doesn't he do these things or heal these things? But again, the, the message was given in the first two episodes. It's not my time yet to make myself public. There is a time for everything. And we have to believe that in our own lives. And, uh, and, and Jesus asked the children, and Steve referred to this. He says, do you believe in the Messiah that he will? He says, do not, whatever you do. The children knew the Messiah. Their parents had taught them well. They repeated certain codes and certain uh, ordinances regarding their parents and the, the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, don't believe the Messiah is going to come on a big white horse. He will not. 
and he throws it in and they then they go on to something else. And then like Steve said, he says, when they ask him, what is your purpose? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has appointed me to preach the good news. So great confusion says to the kids, but he's very, very simple about how he presents it. I've come to preach good news. Uh, episode four, uh, The Rock on which it is built, uh, Professor. Yeah, so so here we go. So we've moved in and now we're moving out and Peter is actually, he's getting ready to turn in and the fisherman and he sees Zebedee's, you know, James and John's dad. And he realizes, I can't turn these guys in. I'd be turning myself in because these are all, it's not like the wealthy merchant fleet. This is like the fellow, everybody else, you know, and now Eden's mother is sick and moved in. So now your mother-in-law's moved in while she's sick to boot everything. And Matthew, you know, he, he, he had started doubting that he had gone to Quintus earlier <laughs> and Quintus had taken Quintus actually has taken quite a shine to Matthew. He likes Matthew. For some odd reason, yeah. you know, uh, because Matthew just tells the truth no matter what. He can't help himself, you know, and so he starts following Peter around because he doesn't believe Peter's going to follow through. Well, Jesus decides that he's going to help Simon, and he tells Simon to go out and fish. And I love the way this is portrayed because it's not like they're way out in the middle. He's like, hey, Peter, yeah, th Simon, th throw your net out. And Simon's like whatever <laughs> is kind of Simon's response to it, whatever. So he throws it out and all of a sudden the boat starts to sink. There's fish there. And, and later we find out it, it's so much of a catch that they had to send extra guards to guard it. It was the largest catch ever. It paid off the tax debt and then some. And Quintus is like, we'll find out much later. Quintus is like, Oh, wow, this is like amazing. <laughs> How do we do this? Really like this a lot, you know, and but at the end of the day, Matthew is left scratching his head because he doesn't know how to take this because Matthew and, and I'm kind of intrigued. Well, Quintus thinks it was some kind of trick. Yeah. Yeah. And Matthew yeah. is oh, there and knows it. that it wasn't. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. You know, and but but. Matthew, I like the arrangement of, I, I like the decision to play Matthew as either OCD or autistic, kind of on a spectrum of some level. Because if you read Matthew's gospel, Matthew puts a lot of extra detail in everything that nobody else does. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. a very good point, too. Uh, when you talk about that, uh, a very good point that number one, they were back to shore. When fishermen come back to shore, man, it's done. You're done emotionally. It, it's been a terrible night. You're 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 baked. You're ready to go home. You've all you gave up fishing long before you got that close to shore, and to have that happen, that is that is a miracle. Uh, no question about it. Mike, what did you think about that? There, there's a scene stuck in the middle of this before Jesus comes and produces all the fishes for Simon, as Robert is told. Uh, there's a scene where Nicodemus and the Sanhedrin are told that John the Baptist has been arrested. And, and, and that isn't too bothersome, except you say, Nicodemus says, why? Why is he? We, we never 
we never turn our own people. One of his, his extremely legalistic students and uh, has a complete misunderstanding of the Word of God, is very legalistic, has turned over and, and testified against John the Baptist because John the Baptist called the, the Pharisees vipers. He says, you call me a viper, you're calling God a viper. That's how... That is so, right, but that right, is so right, an indictment is, because right. there are there are people, there are authorities in almost every church denomination who confuse that, who basically consider an insult against the clergy is yes. somehow a blasphemy against God. And that that conversation they have about their idea of God and and what you can say about God is very modern. You've almost, it is. I guarantee you hang around a church long enough, you will have that conversation where somewhere, maybe you'll be the one who says it or somebody wiser says it to you, says to you, what makes you think you can decide what God can do? No, it's great. It, it's, again, it, it'll slip past you if you're not listening carefully and thinking about it. Uh, yes, I had... Anyway, I won't touch on that. Anyway, Shamil, Shamil, Shamil represents the the Pharisees. He he is going to end up in my mind. He is going to end up being the the core Pharisee at the mm -hmm. end of the day. There, there, you know how you he he is going to come. He is going to represent the uh, Pharisees in this because he's Stop. representing all those bad things. Simon, and the, to me, this little humor part of the, uh, the, the episode, while Peter is out on the water fishing and his brother Andrew that night, he starts screaming at God. He says, he says, he says, God, you let us out of Egypt to be crushed by the Romans. Did you really do that? You saved us. You performed all these miracles. And now the Romans are crushing us. So what he, what he does, he vents with a very realistic frustration. And I know I've done that at times or not. Mm -hmm. I hit myself with a hammer on the thumb or finger. I said, really, God? Really? I'm trying to do something that will honor you or someone or another. I shut the door on my finger. And, and, and you vent and say things that are not really true, but you just get really frustrated. So I see the humanness part of Simon in this part when he starts yelling at God and saying, really, God? Does it have to be this way? Anyway, go Excellent. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, move on. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I thought it was well done. Uh, I and, and you can see that's a man of faith, uh, one that feels the frustration of following and, and not realizing any gain and, uh, and yet still have the faith to look forward. Um, Episode five is the wedding gift. And I myself, to me, this is me. This is what convinced me that I'm basically Thomas. <laughs> I I saw that and I thought, man, dude, this is so me. Being at an event, because I did over 2,500 weddings as a DJ, and I know it's not a particularly hard job, but it is an extremely stressful job when it's the bride and groom's greatest day of their life and they will not forgive you or for ruining their whole life if you run out of anything. In this particular case, wine, which must have been 
horrible. Um, and so I felt the pressure. I felt uh, you are essentially as an event planner, for those of you in, out there that don't understand it, uh, the best thing about it, uh, or actually the worst thing about it is, you work for six months for one payday. And you see that as Thomas shows up, he's got all the supplies ready, It's everything is all good. And then <laughs> they're short of wine. Are you kidding me? Man, talk about bang, getting it right in the heart, man. I mean, there's very few things that you can uh, recover from when you're doing an event. It looked like to me back in the day, food, drink, and entertainment is basically the same as it is today. Any one of those three things and your name is mud. I felt the stress that Thomas was under. I felt the relief and the wonder when Jesus came through. So I want to go ahead. And I'll bring in Steve Titch on this one. This, this, I think the way he's, this may be my favorite episode, uh, because and 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 Bill, you speak to the speak to the way it works because this is a story everybody knows you don't even have to be the church you know the story of jesus turning the water into wine yet they managed to make it especially after the intensity of the previous episode this is a light comedy yes you have exactly that a a a precarious situation and and the writers pile it on they they make it clear that the groom's family who's hosting these this party is a is is of modest means and the bride's family are landowners they're wealthy they're snobby they 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 uh, they, they have a whole lot of you know, clout in the community and boy this is the test that has to be passed they, they this is such an a, a familiar comic trope the recent season of star trek strange new worlds they played a similar plot with this <laughs> i'm a trekkie so i got it <laughs> um and and so the tension is on and as and as you said and, and really yes as if you've done any sort of planning whether you're the caterer which thomas which the drama the makes thomas in this case he's the he's the guy who's who's basically you know his name is all over this and so he's going to be besmirched with everyone else uh what are you gonna do who's gonna save us Oh and, man! And, and, and what's funny horrible. is Jesus contributes to the problem at first because <laughs> he brings oh, yes. he brings he brings an extra seven people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You no, know, he's he not helpful up. at all, is he, yeah. no, And and it, I like it because there, there's two things I really. So this is the story of in John two, John chapter two, verses one through twelve, is where this one comes from, and and it. I like it because it's how I always pictured the wedding at Cana in my head as I'm reading the story. You know, I'm picturing here Jesus and the disciples and they're dancing and they're having a good time. You know, and of course, Mary, we meet Mary, by the way, Mary, the mother of Jesus in this, mm -hmm. in this episode for the first time, really. And 
she shows up early to help because this is somehow a cousin familial relationship. And, and my favorite part is when the wine's running out, she goes to Jesus and says, you need to help. And he does the whole, this isn't my time, you know, argument. And Mary gave him the look. <laughs> and, and if you're married or a male with a mother, we all know what I mean when I say the look. And, and I always pictured that that's exactly what happens in this story in the Bible, because basically Mary, he, you know, he, he brings her, he, she grabs him, says, help out. He says, it's not my time. Why are you bringing me into this? And then she looked at the, the Bible says she looked at the servants and says, do whatever he says and walks away. And I always said, no, she gave him the mother look at that one. And, and I got a feeling that the, and they showed it, you know, and, yeah. and I loved it. This was the episode that I had watched the first two, the first four episodes. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not bad. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, this, this show gets me. <laughs> yeah, that was because, great. And, and see, and the thing about it is what uh, mothers understand is this. You have a son. You treat that son special. There's moments when that son is going to step up for that mother. And I think all of us here can talk about a moment when either we have stepped up for our mother or our sons have stepped up to our wives who are their mothers. There's just a certain uh, moment in time when she has earned that right for you to step up for her incredible episode. I saw that in the mother-son relationship. Like I've said many times before, my mother was English. My dad was really outspoken and fun and everything. My mother shook my hand. She did not hug me. She just wasn't capable of it. And, but, and I'm basically about twice as big as her. When she was alive, she was just a petite thing. But the thing about it is, that's like calling in the SEAL team. When you, that relationship that a mother has, and that is exactly what Mary did. And I saw the relationship of me to my mother. And I'll bet you the rest of the fellows and you out there listening the same thing. It was amazing because I could not deny her yeah. and Jesus couldn't eat her. Well, and before we go to the next episode, I do want to mention, we also get introduced to John the Baptist. Yes. In this Nicodemus goes to see him in jail. And I love the fact that, that John, one of John's first words to Nicodemus are, Oh, Hey, it's you, you know, the robes you're wearing right now would feed five poor people. <laughs> five poor families in Nazareth, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so John has about as much tack and political savvy as a doorknob is the instant we get within. I like him because he reminds me of me. He knows when he's insignificant. He absolutely knows it. And you know what? There's times in life, admit it. it, just admit where you're at. I thought it was outstanding. Judge, well, there, there was a yeah. There's a couple of things uh, I'd like to point out, and hopefully it won't take but a moment. 
Um, Steve made a, a point uh, in, in our format and reminded me of something, folks. We, we did a podcast on God's acceptable will and God's perfect will. Many, many of our, our Christian brothers and sisters or some of our churches believe that there's on one, only one will for God, and that's his perfect will. And there is no acceptable will. And, and in other words, there, there can be no modification of what he has told you to do. But in that, epi in that particular um, podcast, we do a whole podcast on that. And Steve brings out a point here in the format. He reminds us, because Mary says to Jesus, her son, says, help him out. And he says, Mom, it's not my time. In other words, no. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then, as Robert says, uh, she gave him the look or she did something. He says, okay. <laughs> and he decides to go ahead and change the water into wine. So as Steve, as Steve mentions, God can change his mind, and it can still be in his perfect will to change his mind. So that's one example. And the second, when Jesus performs a miracle on the water into wine, he has everybody step out of the room, and he has the containers, and they're full of water. And and he has everybody step out, and he looks, he looks at the containers, and he looks up, and he says, I'm ready, Father. He makes those four words, and then the water turns into wine. Excellent. And, you know, the, the texture and the layering that the storytellers have in this particular this particular episode, but basically the whole series, uh, you're really going to enjoy. Uh, I want to go ahead and jump right into uh, episode six, which is indescribable compassion episode six jesus actually heals a leper and he heals a paralytic so the the stories you're all familiar with that but the the, the leper where he heals the leper they're going into capernaum um and he and his disciples are headed there and they run into a leper and a leper ties the things together and he says he says jesus you can heal me. My sister, I, either his sister or his brother, was at the wedding where he turned the water into wine. And uh, uh, and Jesus did. All his disciples were scared to death. They said, you can't breathe him. You can't touch him. You can't do anything. But Jesus walks up to him and touches him and heals him. Then he hugs him. And then this, the second part of it, they go on into to, um, Capernaum and they go to Zebedee's house. Uh, the father of James and John, and they're eating, and people begin, they've heard about the miracle of the wine, and now they're hearing about the miracle of the leper, because one of the persons that was there in their presence when he healed the leper goes back into town. She is not one of his disciples or followers. She goes back into town, and she spreads the word that he has healed the leper, and she brings a man on a stretcher. I, I believe she said her brother, and her name is Tamar in the, the actual episode. And this gets very, very, very well done, folks. You've got to read, you've got to watch it just for this, because Jesus begins answering questions to a crowd, and a crowd gathers outside their home and stands in the doorway and stands in the windows and looks at them, and they ask Jesus questions. And eventually, uh, a couple of the Pharisees come up, Nicodemus uh, students come up, to the window. Shamil and, is one of them. Yes. Yeah. In fact, Robert, I'll let you. Do you want to continue with this? No, no, no. And, go and, ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is teaching, 
And this lady who saw Jesus heal the leper brings her, her brother who is a paralytic and they try to get up there and there must be a hundred people there outside the house and she can't bring him up to uh, Jesus to get him to heal him or to touch him. So they take him on the roof of the house. Folks, you're all familiar with the story, but to see it is just superb. She takes him on the roof of the house and they, of course, let him down into where Jesus is standing. Two of the kids that were hanging out with Jesus in the woods are in the house on the roof of the house across the street. And Matthew yes. climbs up and sits with them. Yes. Yeah. To start yeah. with. And well, then well, he, he drops in and they and Jesus heals the man. He, but he before does. he heals him, before he heals him, what's the most important statement there that, that makes the Pharisees mad? They're standing there and um oh. and Jesus Jesus oh. it comes up and Jesus says to the paralytic, he's lying on the floor. He says, your sins are forgiven. forgiven. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And that just makes these Shamil two. Shamil just goes nuts at that. Shamil is one of them. <laughs> we already know Shamil is, is absolutely, you cannot change the word of God. You cannot call a Pharisee a viper because you are calling God a viper then. So he has, he has, Shamil gets very antagonistic. And Jesus said, well, which is easier? Yeah, and, then it, and, right. and then the end of this episode is literally Nicodemus going to marry Magdalene and saying, look, I want to meet with him. I'll meet him at night. It can be secret. Nobody needs to know, but we need to come set up. And then and then it goes into what John chapter three, which I yeah. think, you know, takes us into episode seven, which is just fantastic. Steve, you want to continue that thought? Uh, his secret nighttime. It may be certainly discreet if not outright secret. Certainly Nicodemus does not tell any of the other Pharisees, not that he really has to because he's the senior most teacher, um, but he has been desperate to meet this Jesus ever since his meeting with John the Baptist and Mary Magdalene. And he finally gets it. And this is the whole John chapter three, with which God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And... And again, it, it this is where the story focuses on that Jesus knows exactly who he is, and he tells frankly, he tells Nicodemus frankly, he's come. He hasn't come to fight Rome or even the Pharisees. He's come to battle and conquer sin. And then they have the whole conversation about born being born again, which. I'll, I'll give the show kudos for this is just as confusing when played out as it is in scripture. Uh, and, you know, you see what's cute. You see John kind of off to the side under on the stairway, writing this down. Um, but uh, here, here you have, you have a real, a man of learning uh, in Nicodemus trying to put all this together. Um, and the, the idea of, the whole thing being an act of faith and the, the show does throughout it a, a these these pre-credit sequences um that sometimes jump back to the old testament and this this particular episode jumps way back to the uh wandering in the desert the moses and the and the israelite nation and retells the story uh and this is out of numbers 21 4 through 10 the, the people the people were unfaithful to God they, they they and and they were unhappy with the manna God sent the 
serpents and the serpents started biting people and people started dying. And God, Moses said, God, God, what's got to, we've got to do something. We've got to forgive these people. And God ordered Moses to make, to, to forge a bronze snake and put it on a pole and place the pole where everyone could see it. And he said, anybody who looks upon this, this pole, this, um, this bronze snake will be forgiven and will be saved, will be cured. And then that's what happened. And I guess he's having a conversation with Joshua while he's forging this uh, bronze snake mm -hmm. and Joshua is trying to understand it. And all Moses would tell him and says, that it's, it's not about reason. It's about faith. I, I just want to go at the end of this episode well, there's two things that happen. Prater goes back to Quintus, who who is just he is a Roman slime ball who is also very politically astute. He goes back to Nicodemus and says, Okay, look, I've heard about Jesus, I've heard of this thing with Matthew. Are our worlds going coming together here, Nicodemus? Are we gonna need to sit down and have a conversation? I'm trying to figure something out. And Nicodemus kind of like, oh, whatever, you know. And then at the very end, Jesus goes up to Matthew's tax booth and says, follow me. Matthew mm -hmm. leaves the booth, locks it, hands the key to Gaius, who we <laughs> haven't talked about yet. But Gaius is kind of an interesting Roman centurion here. He had gotten promoted earlier because of his relationship with Matthew, um, because he had managed to get Matthew to do things and help with things. And he's kind of he'll he'll tell Matthew's parents later he's fond become rather fond of Matthew and he looks at Matthew and says are you kidding me you have every you live better than any other Jew in this city right now and you're walking away from all of that and he starts following Jesus in his tax collector robes that he stays in for quite a while actually you know and in the middle of this you know Peter is like what the heck? Do you, do you know who he is? Do you know? And and Jesus looks at Peter and says, "It's no different than when I called you." And Peter's like, "Yes, it is. It's different. It's totally different. This is totally different." And Jesus basically looks at him and says, "And it's my favorite line in the entire series so far, is get used to different, because well, that that is the counterculturalism of the, of the gospel." It's totally different than what you would expect it to be. And Jesus actually says that line to Peter. Uh, you know, let's we'll wrap that up. Let me wrap that up with your saying. And so Matthew follows Jesus and, and they are walking away. This is ending the episode. And um, Matthew says, Jesus, where are we going? And he says, we're going to a dinner party. And, and Matthew says, I don't do well at dinner parties. Now, folks, you got to understand, everywhere Matthew goes up to this point in five or six different episodes, people see him and they spit on his feet. They kick him. They bump him into walls. They hate the tax collector. They hate him. Literally, if you could hate Satan or Lucifer, they hate Matthew. That's why this profound hatred is there. And so he tells Jesus, he says, I don't do well at dinner parties. He says, Eh, that's not going to be a problem. You're the host. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Well, and, okay, and, and, and to go back to that, Mike, very, very quickly, we're introduced to G Matthew in, in episode one, paying a guy to basically hide in his cart under a tarp to take him Oh, absolutely. Because he yeah, doesn't we, want to run. That's how hated he was. So anyway. Yeah, no, it's a great point. He, he They are hated. Anyway, worse than the Pharisees. Okay, and we hate the, the Pharisees, but worse than the tax collectors worse. Yes, Bill. And the last episode is episode eight of season one, I Am He. And that is after oh. Healy, Eden's mother, uh, mother-in-law, actually. Now, Eden's um, mother, Simon's mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah oh, Simon's, that's right. Um <laughs> Well, go ahead, Steve. Go with it. Oh, well, I was going to simply say, can, yeah. Can, well, go can ahead, I jump Robert. in on that one? Go, Rob, that, my, my other favorite part of that is, is they're fixing to leave, and, and Eden knows Peter's leaving with Jesus for a while. And, and Jesus looks at her and says, hey, I'm going to help you with something. I can't help you with everything that's coming, but I can help you with this. And she kind of smiles, and she go, and then Jesus looks at her, and he goes, besides, you know how Simon is normally. You think I want to go traveling with a grumpy Simon because <laughs> he's worried about his mother-in-law? I mean, that is just that. It, it is the it is the parts of that. It is that extra. I'm going to use the word extra biblical stuff here. That is the stuff that's around the stories of the miracles that we've always thought about and wondered about, but never really sat down and really seen it portrayed like this and it's that it's what makes the show so human go ahead steve Wrap, wrapped up in that scene though is we were we talked about earlier right back in episode one the relationship between between simon and eden simon has given up his his well for the most part stopped fishing he yeah. he, he knelt before jesus and said take me with you um Eden supports him. Yes. That's that's what's that's elegant about this. She she actually even says this is she practically says not in these words this is your destiny but this is the this is the man I marry. This is what he's he's been looking for something. I I think you found it. And she's also accepted as Peter has that Jesus is the Messiah and realizes that Peter has to travel with him, but that doesn't change the fact that it has created all sorts of tensions in the house that they have to work out. And that is a great working out. And we'll, we'll talk about this in the final segment, but that is, it is really a solid in, illustration about how a marriage should work. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as we look at this, folks, as we mentioned at the end of the last episode, Jesus told the disciples, he told Matthew, he says, we're going to have a party, all right. We're going to have a dinner party at your house. So they go to Matthew's house, and they are having a party with a lot of people. Matthew has a pretty big house. He's got a lot of money. Uh, if you know the scriptures in the Bible, he invites a lot of his, his tax collector friends. Plus, he's got the disciples there and Jesus and they're all making noise. Well, for some reason, noise seems to be a problem back then, <laughs> uh, right? And 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 the uh, eventually, the the couple of the Pharisees walk by, possibly Yusuf and Shemael again. I don't think it was Shemael, but two two Pharisees walk by, and they stop the door and they knock because they hear all the laughing and the commotion, and they see Jesus. They they have now identified, and I don't know what what point they identify him as a teacher. 
but they do. They haven't really referred to him as a teacher before, but here they clearly refer to Jesus as a teacher. And they said, what are you doing eating with those? Do you know who you're eating with? Because Mary Magdalene and the other lady who brought the paralyzed person were prostitutes. And they said, you know, you're eating with, with sinners, prostitutes. And uh, I, I believe either Simon or Jesus says, well, you want to join us? And they said, we would never, never set foot inside the house or inside the room. Get it. What am I? Uh, let me go ahead. One of my my favorite one of my favorite lines in the whole series comes when when Shamil is exactly that he wouldn't dare step in and he goes into this whole litany about the red quarter, oh, which is where all these people sinners hang out and and he's he, he's going in and then finally had a you know he's nervous he's shaken and he says, well. What goes on in the red quarter well the words just can't pass my lips. And Simon says, sounds like a personal problem. Personal problem. Right. We go to back to Jesus and disciples, and they all finish the uh, the meal at, at um, Matthew's house. And they're going out and packing up because they're getting ready to travel. Jesus taking to another location. And and uh, they go back, and, and Jesus is, is, is watching Simon, and Simon's very troubled. And you'll find out if you watch the episode that he's troubled because, as they the guys mentioned earlier, his mother-in-law is very ill and she's at his house and he's worried about his wife and he's worried about his mother-in-law. And so Jesus tells him, he says, he looks at Simon, he says, uh, you can share what's troubling you. And Simon asks Jesus, he says, I can share with you what you already know in your head. So and, and Jesus that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Simon does mention that he's the only married man. And they end up going back to the home uh, where his wife is and where his mother-in-law is very ill. And of course, folks, you, you if you've read the um, the story and the read you the scriptures, Jesus goes in and heals Simon's mother-in-law. But uh, anyway, I'll I'll let you guys throw in some things there. Oh, by the way, the, the humor in that scene is is she. He heals her. She sits up immediately, looks at Jesus and says, who are you? And he tells her, I'm Jesus, Simon's friend. And she goes, you must be hungry. She gets up and goes, fix the meal. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know? Immediately jumps up. Yeah. <laughs> then, well, then, then we, I guess the bulk of the episode is then the whole, it's Robert's favorite or one of his favorite biblical stories, the woman at the well. He's got oh, so yes. many. Which, which, got serves, so many. <laughs> which serves, at least in this dramatic purposes, is really the, the, the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He's, he announces, mm -hmm. he says to her, he is the Messiah. And, yeah. he, uh, he but, but they build, but again, like they do in the show, they build a, a whole story around the woman at the well, whose name is Fotina in this drama. This is, we do not yeah, not given a name in scripture, but she is a, a definite character. We also we've seen throughout the series a, a view of the people who are on the outside, the the marginalized, which included which included Matthew uh, in their own way. It included the leper, and now it includes this woman, the the woman in at the well, who's uh, who, again. Doesn't mean doesn't mince words. The scripture is right. She's had several husbands. Um, it's interesting that she did love one of them. That comes mm. out, um, but she's treated pretty badly because of this past by by everyone. 
Um, and and she is she is the first maybe non-Jewish convert we see. I mean, we, there's Tamar of Heliopolis, so I shouldn't shouldn't be. But but this she is certainly the most dramatic as it is in as it is told in Scripture. Well, they, uh, it's interesting you bring that up, Steve, because I can't imagine today. I mean, if if you know a lady that's had five husbands and she's not living with her fifth husband, but she's living with another guy, I can't imagine us telling her, hey, you're fantastic, you're wonderful. I mean, we're all going to naturally have a tendency to look down on the person and not have the compassion of Jesus. Let's say I will. I won't know that you guys, you guys might have this great heart like Jesus. Say, hey, come on in the fold. I would look at her and go, gosh, Jordan, you, you get around, don't you, woman? <laughs> and and not only that, but you get the Old Testament setup of Jacob digging the well. And I like the conversation that occurs right before he goes to the well, because I, I can't remember which of the, of the disciples is reading the map, but he says, we should go this way, blah, blah, blah. And she says, no, Matthew. we're going this way. Matthew, Matthew was looking at the map. And, the and map. he's like, well, no, we're going this way. And everybody's like, well, that's through Samaria, and we don't go there. And Jesus is like, yeah, whatever, we're going through Samaria. <laughs> Any other questions, boys? <laughs> that's right. You're going to cause problems if you stop and have to question me on everything. That's, yeah, that's yeah, right. and that was really his exact cute, words. Cute comment. Jesus Mike, looks yes. and says, are we gonna, is, am I going to have to answer questions every time? I have time to answer questions every time you make a small decision. This is going to be a very long trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lot, and, lot and of, by the way, now Quintus has made some decisions at the end of this as well. Quintus is Quintus is quite ang quite angry that he lost his best tax collector mm -hmm. because earlier when he found out Herod was coming, Matthew gave him some advice and he went, that, "That's darn good advice. I should follow that if I want to <laughs> look good in front of Herod." And so now he's lost his best tax collector that brought in just tons of money to boot. And he's lost a guy who gave him really good advice with no gall. And he lost him to Jesus. And so he says, okay, no more religious gatherings. Jesus can't be teaching in the streets. Got to be in a synagogue. I'll let them have their synagogues. You know, and by the way, if you see him, bring him in. I want to have a chat. <laughs> so now he's, now he's on two radars. He, he Shamil's got him all over the Pharisees again, and Quintus now has him on the Roman radar as well. And our Do friend, you, our, our heroes are headed into Sychar at the end. Yes. Are I we beginning? Want... Is it now? I mean, that 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 a, a, a classic slow motion walking shot, the right stuff shop shot of them marching down. Walk, I don't know, marching, but just walking down to uh to gain more, to, to, to bring the ministry to, of all places, Samaria. Which is not where it was supposed to be <laughs> headed, at least according to the boys. Yes. One, one final thing, the, la the, the, sure. the, 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 sure. the conversion, the, 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 the sudden departure, the sudden decision by Matthew to leave his booth mm. and follow Jesus is contrasted with the conflicts that Nicodemus has because we've been talking about him and that's been leading up to the moment where Jesus did does invite Nic Nicodemus to join him as a disciple Nicodemus thinks about it it's clear he's got he's got family responsibilities he has grandchildren in Israel his wife 
it's a very interesting relation, a good relationship, but he, he, he has to go back. He chooses to go back to his responsibilities with the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. But you see him weeping at the end as Jesus and the disciples leave Capernaum. Um, and, and it's a very, it's a sad, kind of a sad, but very sympathetic take. Excellent. And Nicodemus actually funded them. (laughs) Or it's portrayed that way. (laughs) He gives them, he leaves them some gold. Yes. Yes. Okay, Bill, sorry. (laughs) Ah, Not a problem. And with that, uh, we're getting down to the, uh, some takeaways from this on the chosen. Go ahead and start with uh, Michael Cropper. Um, folks, so why do I like the chosen? Um, it has something to do. What What do I know about Jesus? He was meek. He was humble. He was a king, and he came to conquer. But he didn't come to conquer the Romans. And in fact, he tells Nicodemus that whenever he's meeting with him at night, he said, "I came here to conquer, but I came here to conquer sin." to deliver my people from sin. And he was with God as he created the earth. John 1, 1, Robert's favorite scriptures, 1, 14. He taught love. He taught peace. He rebuked the proud. He rebuked the haughty. Uh, however, we, have, yeah, we haven't seen that in the first set on the on the chosen. We haven't seen him rebuking the, uh, the proud and the haughty yet. But he healed many. And uh, he taught that God loves us. He is partial toward the widow and the orphan. Jesus forgives. And and the chosen displays these characteristics of Jesus in a very, very, very real way, in a very colorful way, and very, very meaningful way. So that's why I like the chosen, Bill. Excellent. Uh, Professor? It's, It's real life. And and part of the reason why it goes back to the pilot episode. Why should guys watch this? It's guy stuff. It's, you know, in the shepherd, in the pilot, it's the shepherd sitting around in the lunchroom talking about things and joking. It's, it's Simon worried about how am I going to support my family and pay my taxes and do all of those things. It's, it's Thomas who's sitting there and, and Thomas is another one who's dressed totally different than he, anybody else, too, you might notice, because of what he does. He has the striped multicolored cloak, and he, he's adding the numbers up the entire time everybody's going. It's Matthew who's troubled and outcast. It's, it's real life and real men going through real things who have decided to follow a Messiah, Jesus not realizing what that means and you know the the song walking on the water that is used at the beginning of the chosen is overplayed with fish that are all swimming and every now and then one of them turns blue and starts swimming in the other direction and the gospel is truly countercultural in that way and that we're called to swim in opposite directions from normal people and when we follow Christ that's what we end up doing and the chosen is just a dramatized version of that that is told in such a way that anyone can engage it, even if they don't know scripture. And if you know the stories, I personally, like I said, I I look at it and go, that is 
seriously one of those things that lets me see the difference in the Bible. And like I said, it it grabbed my attention from the get-go because it literally portrays scripture as I read it when I read Excellent. scripture. Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch. Yeah. One of the other things I do like about it is you can accuse it sometimes of being somewhat anachronistic. I don't think to that much degree, maybe in the way the characters speak, but it's, it's, they spoke in the vernacular Aramaic, then they just translated to a more vernacular English now. And I think that that helps the characters relate, especially given their various social stations. Also, uh, we can kind of see uh, distant, <laughs> distant reflections of how, we we today as believers sometimes sometimes approach our religion i already talked about you know you can't put god in a box sometimes we have those kind of discussions that nicodemus and shamil have one of the things i like the way it's dramatized is that both at two ends mary and particularly peter uh, they become true true disciples but they also kind of put themselves in positions of where they have to manage Jesus. Uh, Mary at times approaches Jesus and she feels she's bothering him. I, I can't bother you with these little details about a wedding or whatever, or what's going on. And, and he assures her that no, 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 he's here for her. And that is, that is, I think, a, an important part of our faith to remember that Jesus has time for us. Peter, on the other hand, wants to be the protector of Jesus. So many, sometimes we, we, we get out there where we feel we have to either defend or fight Jesus's or God's battle for them. And he's kind of trying to be the, the gatekeeper who gets in to see Jesus, the bouncer, when they have that, you know, the guys are moved, they're, they're, they're putting the guy through the roof and he's having a fit. How dare they? That well, wait a minute. Uh, and so, uh, it's interesting the way these early believers still stumble with the way modern believers do as well. So I think that's one other way uh, it, it's appealing, and definitely for for men, it's it's a it's a really good uh, it's a really good piece of entertainment. All in all, we've talked about a lot. There's probably a lot more to talk about, and our 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 plan is to cover seasons two and three and subject and, and some of the subjects we didn't get to uh bill that is a conversation for another time <laughs> and the quote the chosen so thanks so much for tuning in to no church answers and once again on behalf of our producer mr steve titch who did <laughs> awesome work this week it was great notes uh michael cropper robert koshu my name is bill cox and our podcast is available on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast so please rate it and leave a review and if you have any questions or comments you can go to our facebook page which is at nochurchanswers.com and post it there and if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's available on Facebook, YouTube, sugarlandbaptist.org. And it starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, and we hope you are, 
we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church by local. So you'll go and participate and find a small group ABF or adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class that you can join for small group discussions just like this. And when you find one, find one that is men only. If there is one, start one and take no church answers. Talk to you next time. Thanks so much. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.